0: Section 38 of the Complete Works of Brand the Iconoclast, Volume 12. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by William Jones, Benita Springs, Florida. The Complete Works of Brand the Iconoclast, Volume 12, Section 38, Brand's Reply to Slattery. Ex-priest Joseph Slattery, in his lecture at Waco, Texas, in the interest of the APA, bitterly denounced the iconoclast. During the Slattery lecture, Brand rose, pointed his finger at Slattery, and said, "You lie, and you know it, and I refuse to listen to you." Brand then turned on his heel and walked out. He then hired the same opera house at his own expense and replied to slattery fellow americans the iconoclast does not please ex priest slattery baptist minister in good standing and i'm not surprised its mission as its name implies is to expose frauds and abolish fakes to make unrelenting war upon humbugs and hypocrites Hence it is not remarkable that Slattery should regard its existence as a personal affront. It is ever the galled jade that winces, or, to borrow from the elegant pulpit vernacular of the Reverend Sam Jones, it's the hit dog that yelps. Slattery, would have you believe that I'm a rank atheist who's trying to rip religion up by the roots and bang it across a barbed-wire fence? In close companionship with the hides of Protestant preachers. This charge has been hurled at me by various sectarian papers and malicious ministers, but not one iota of evidence has ever been submitted. It is simply a bald assertion, bored of sanctified malice, a brazen libel similar to that which charges the Pope with trying to subvert the American government. I defy slattery and all that unclean brood of moral vultures assassins of character and thieves of reputation which trail in his wake and applaud his infamies to produce one line i ever wrote or quote one sentence i ever uttered disrespectful of any religion pagan protestant or catholic if in the wilds of central africa i should find a man bowing down to a dried toad a stuffed snake or a slattery I'd remove my head as a tribute of respect, not to his judgment, but to his honesty. I have no word of condemnation for any religious faith, however fatuous it may appear to me, that has comforted the dying or consoled the living, that has cast one gleam of supernal sunshine into the dark veil where grope each beneath his burthen of sorrow the sons of men.' I am not warring upon religious faith, but on falsehood, not upon Jesus Christ, but on those who disgrace his cause, who mistake bile for benevolence, gall for godliness, and chronic laziness for a call to preach. Nor have I taken the Pope of Rome under my apostolic protection. The popes managed to exist for a great many years before I was born, and, despite the assaults of slattery. "'will doubtless continue in business at the old stand "'for several years to come. "'I was raised a Protestant, and, thank God, I'm no apostate. "'I learned Protestantism at my mother's knee "'and from my father's pulpit. "'But I did not learn there that the Church of Rome "'is the scarlet woman, nuns, unclean creatures, "'priests the sworn enemies of my country. "'I learned that but for the Church of Rome,' the glad tidings of great joy which Christ brought to a dying world would have been irredeemably lost in that dismal intellectual night known as the Dark Ages. I was taught that for centuries the Church of Rome was the repository not only of the Christian faith but of civilization itself. I was taught that the Catholic is the mother of the Protestant Church and that no matter how unworthy a parent may be, A child should not become the herald of its mother's shame. And while being taught my duty as a Protestant, my education as an American citizen was not neglected. I was taught that this was a land of religious liberty, where every man is privileged to worship God in his own way, or ignore him altogether, that it was my duty to insist upon this right, both for myself and for my fellows. That is why I am the uncompromising enemy of the APA. Any attempt to debar an American citizen from the honors and emollients of a public office because of his religious faith, or non-faith, is a flagrant violation of a fundamental principle of this republic, And no patriot, no man in whose veins there pulses one drop of the blood of the conscript fathers, or Who would recognize the goddess of liberty if he met her on the road? No man imbued with the tolerant spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ will aid or abet such an unchristian and un-American movement. The APA is the bastard spawn of ignorance and intolerance, conceived in sin and brought forth in iniquity. There may be some honest men connected with the movement, but if honest they should get their heads trepanned to give their brains room to grow they are as unable as a mule-eared rabbit to comprehend either the broad principles upon which this government is grounded or its political and religious history no man not even judas iscariot slattery is to blame for his ignorance so we should humbly pray father forgive them they know not what they do nor is the Church of Rome responsible for the shameless apostate's lack of information. It did all that it could to transform him from an ignorant little beggar into an educated gentleman, but even the Pope cannot make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. It is no fault of the Church of Rome that he is densely ignorant of the very textbook truths of history, that he knows nothing of that reformation of which he talks so glibly. THAT HE IS UNABLE TO COMPREHEND THE GENIUS OF THE GOVERNMENT UPON WHICH HE HAS CONFERRED HIS MORE OR LESS VALUABLE CITIZENSHIP. THE FAULT, IF FAULT IT BE, LIES WITH THE ALMIGHTY, WHO GAVE HIM A BAD HEART AND A WORSE HEAD. AMERICAN PROTECTIVE ASSOCIATION, EH? THAT SIGNIFIES THAT UNCLE SAM IS IN NEED OF PROTECTION. I had hitherto supposed that the gentleman in the high-water pants and starby-spangled cutaway was able to protect himself, but it now appears that unless he crawls under the aegis of the redoubtable slattery, he is, to again borrow from the most popular of all Protestant divines, a gone sucker. Think of placing Uncle Sam under the protection of a man who is an apostate in religion and a renegade in politics. Of an irishman who apostrophizes the british flag think of that kind of a bird presuming to tell the grandsons of revolutionary soldiers their duties as american citizens slattery assures us that we need protection from the pope there was a time when the proudest monarchs of europe trembled at the papal nod but gradually the pope has been shorn of temporal power confined evermore to the realm of spiritual. Until today, he exerts about as little influence on the political destiny of this world as the Dr. Cranville with his little prohibition craze. But Slattery will have it that the Pope is gradually undermining American institutions, and leads us to infer that sooner or later, He'll blow our blessed constitution at the moon and scatter fragments of the goddess of liberty from Dan to Beersheba, from Cape Cod to Kalamazoo. The Pope, it appears, is a veritable guy foe who is tunneling beneath our national capital with a keg of giant powder in one hand and a box of Lucifer matches in the other. What's the evidence? Why, out in San Francisco, so Slattery says, but as Slattery's been convicted of lying, it were well to call for papers. A Catholic school board was elected and employed only Catholic teachers. The same awful thing happened in Detroit, if Slattery's telling the truth, which is doubtful in the extreme. Well, then what? With a pride worthy of a more American act, this illogical idiot informs us that When the Protestants captured the school boards of those cities, they discharged every one of the Catholic teachers, and put only good Protestants on guard. And at that Baptist brethren, with water on the brain, who boast of Roger Williams, cheered so loudly as to be in danger of Lockjaw. In the exuberant imagination of Slattery and his dupes, there appears to be a wonderful difference between... Tweedledum and Tweedledee. It doesn't seem to have occurred to them that what is sauce for the Protestant goose should be sauce for the Catholic gander. They damn the Catholics for doing the very thing for which they commend the Protestant. That's the logic of the APA, the aggregation of pusillanimous asses. In my humble opinion, both were engaged in very small business. The only difference... In the offenders that I can see, is that while the Catholics are saying nothing, the Protestants are loudly boasting of their vicious subversion of the American principle of religious liberty. The circumstance is a sharp reminder that if we are to preserve a government of the people, for the people, and by the people, we've got to keep religion of all kinds out of our politics, just as the framers of the federal constitution intended that we should do. Mixing religion and politics is like mixing whiskey and water. It spoils both. Slattery would have you believe that our Catholic citizens are simply emissaries of the Pope, to whom they owe allegiance, both spiritual and temporal, and that they will, at the first opportunity, subvert American institutions, and will make this nation simply a satrapy of the Vatican. The American Catholic takes his theology from rome he takes his politics from the ecumenical council of his party from the national convention of that partisan organization to which he may chance to belong that there can be no catholic conspiracy against the free institutions of this country must be evident to every man of common sense from the simple fact that Catholics are divided among all the political parties, are continually voting against each other. Now, I appeal to your judgment. Lay aside your religious prejudices for the moment and look at the matter from a nonpartisan, nonsectarian standpoint. If our Catholic fellow citizens be under the thumb of the Pope politically, as the apostate, now evangelizing for the apa would have us believe and if the pope desires to make himself temporal ruler of this land or in any manner affect its affairs would they not be found voting as a unit a mighty political machine instead of being as badly divided on secular questions as the baptists themselves san antonio is a catholic stronghold yet a prominent roman catholic was overwhelmingly defeated in the last mayorality election, and I could cite you hundreds of instances where Catholics have voted against men of their own religious faith and elected Protestants or infidels. Again, if the Pope is plotting against America, and if all manner of crime be considered a virtue when committed by Catholics in furtherance of his ends, as flattery would have you believe, then it were well to keep a sharp eye on the apostate priests." How are we to know that they are not emissaries of the Vatican, commissioned to stir the Protestants up, to persecute their brethren in Christ, and thereby solidify the Catholic vote? No one, not even Solattery, has accused the Pope of being a fool, and certain it is that the ABA movement, if persisted in, will have the effect of driving the Catholics of this country to political unity in self-defense. persecution. Political ostracism for religious opinion's sake will infallibly bring about those very conditions which Slattery, Hicks, et al. declared that the Pope desires. The communicants of the Church of Rome will no longer vote as Democrats or Republicans, but as Catholics. And then, with unlimited wealth and such a political machine at the command of a man so ambitious and unscrupulous as we are asked to believe the Pope to be, the capture of the federal government and the political domination of this country were as easy as lying. The Protestants divided into a hundred warring factions, many of them further apart theologically than Episcopalianism and Catholicism, would offer no resistance to such a political machine, and they would receive but cold comfort from the liberal element which has suffered so long from their petty persecutions and i tell you protestants right here that if it be the intention of the church of rome to transform this government into a theocracy by fair means or foul then the pope is the real founder of the apa and slattery is a papal spy according to the story of this self-constituted protector of the american government he studied roman catholic theology for years then officiated as a priest for eight more before discovering anything immoral in teachings of the mother church when it suddenly occurred to him that it was but a tissue of falsehoods a veritable cesspool of rottenness his transformation appears to have been almost as sudden as that of saul of tarsus or that of judas iscariot i have no objection to his leaving the catholic priesthood his bishop stopped his pay. Like the servant-maid caught pilfering, he gave notice with the missus pintin at the door. If Slattery believes that the Protestant through-line runs more comfortable cars to the great hereafter, he's welcome to take his ticket over that route. But I would have thought better of him had he made the change quietly and refrained from assaulting with vindictiveness of a renegade that the church to which he owes his education such as it is had he treated the religion of his mother with decency if not with respect i thought i had met all manner of men men hardened in crime men destitute of even a semblance of shame but never before did i behold one with the hardihood to stand up before american women and boast that he had incurred a mother's curse when a man falls so low in the scale of human degradation that his own mother disowns him, it were well to watch him. When a creature asks strangers to accept him because his relatives have rejected him, when for the sake of gain he snaps like a mangy lice at the hand that once fed him, and stings like a poisonous adder the bosom that once nurtured him, when to promote his personal ends he will use his best endeavors to exterminate religious liberty and precipitate a bloody sectarian war. I tell you he was not born a man, but begotten a beast. From the very foundation of this government the Catholics have been its firm defenders. Their wisdom and eloquence have adorned its councils from the signing of the Declaration of American Independence to this good day, and its every battlefield from Lexicon to the Custer Massacre, has been wet with Catholic blood. Nine Roman Catholics signed the Declaration of Independence, and the Roman Catholics of New York contributed so liberally of their blood and treasure to the cause of the newborn nation, that Washington wrote them a letter praising their patriotism. Several Roman Catholics helped frame the Federal Constitution, and the interpretation of that wonderful instrument by a Roman Catholic chief justice to-day constitutes the fundamental law of the land. Yet slattery, and that ridiculous organization of which he boasts himself a member, would have you believe that the American Catholics would, at a nod from the Pope, ruthlessly trample underfoot that flag in whose defense they pledge their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor, that they would wreck without remorse and ruin without regret that nation they helped place on the map of the world. How do you old confederates who followed Pat Cleburne relish having this blatant tramp defame your dead commander? Can you believe on the unsupported testimony of this mendacious mutterbank that Father Ryan's tribute to the stars and bars was rank hypocrisy? That the poet-priest was the political tool of a foreign power? Sherman died a Catholic. Fighting Phil Sheraton was a Catholic. Old Pap Thomas, the Rock of Chickamauga, was a Catholic. The bloody 69th New York was a Catholic regiment, and its heroism at the Battle of Bull Run forms one of the brightest pages in our military history of this nation strange it never occurred to those demoralized protestant regiments which took refuge behind the bayonets of the sixty-ninth that they were throwing the vatican between themselves and the confederate forces slattery assures us that the number of irish catholics on the police force of our great cities is evidence that the church of rome is on mischief bent i am not surprised that an irish catholic with a club in his hand, should prove rather alarming to Brother Slattery. But although he says, meet a policeman and you'll see the map of Ireland in his face, those same policemen have several times saved his worthless bacon. When he was mobbed in St. Louis for defaming Catholic nuns, the police formed a cordon around his infamous carcass and saved him from a well-merited trouncing at the hands of the slandered women's relatives. Probably the police did not relish the job overmuch, but they had sworn to uphold the laws and Although Slattery insists that a Catholic oath amounts to nothing, they risked their lives in his defence. We have many nationalities in this country, and each of them, as every observant man well knows, manifests a predilection for some special occupation. Thus, the Jews take to trade the germans to agriculture the norwegians to lumbering the french to catering and the irish to politics make a free-will baptist or a buddhist of an irishman and you do not change his nature he'll turn up at the next political convention just the same and a man who's too good to take a hand in practical politics who's too nice to mingle with the horny-handed at the ward primaries who's too busy to act as delicate to the convention, who deliberately neglects its duty as an American citizen, finds that Pat's activity has been rewarded with a place on the police force, and blames it all on the Pope. It is not my province to defend Roman Catholic theology. I suppose that Salateri said all that could be urged in his behalf before he apostatized perhaps the catholics really believe the pope infallible and if they do it is certainly no worse than for certain waco protestants to believe that Slattery's infallible i noted that at his lecture last week they cheered every charge he preferred against either the pope or the apostle and that without asking for an iota of evidence when i arose at the stag party with which he wound up the intellectual debauch and questioned his infallibility the good brethren cried throw him out why did they so unless they believed that to question the supernal wisdom and immaculate truth of baptist miniature might say were sacrilege a sin against the holy ghost here was i their fellow citizen of waco I'd done them no harm, yet when a strolling vagabond wearing God's livery and whose forte is the defamation of women made a statement which, if true, would forever disgrace me in the eyes of the world, when he preferred this charge against me within two blocks of where my babies lay sleeping, they wanted to mob me for branding him then and there as an infamous liar and a cowardly blackguard. Mark you. I'm no tramp in America. This is the house of my fathers. They helped hew it out of the Virginia wilderness. They helped put old glory in the heavens, and to keep it there for more than a hundred years. Still, it appears that I have no rights in this country which a foreigner with the smell of the steerage still upon him is bound to respect if he chances to be a Baptist preacher. "'Talk to me about the Church of Rome muzzling free speech "'when the A.P.A. would mob an American citizen "'for defending his character from the infamous falsehoods of a foreign tramp. "'Throw him out!' "'Why throw him out? I'll tell you. "'The sanctified buzzards had gone there with appetites "'sharpened for a mass of carrion, "'and they were afraid I'd kill their cook. "'Throw him out!' But I noticed that those who were splitting their faces as wide as Billy Cursan's were glued to their seats. They wanted somebody else to throw him out. They were anxious to see a gang of three or four hundred sanctified hoodlums trample upon me. But there was not one among the self-constituted protectors of this almighty American nation with sufficient sand to lead them mob. If there were no better Americans than those trailing in the wake of the Reverend Joseph Slattery, like buzzards following a bad smell, I'd take a cornstalk, clean out the whole shooting match, and stock the country with niggers and yaller dogs. If such cattle were sired by Satan, damned by sycorax, and born in hell, they would dishonor their parents and disgrace their country. Slattery insists that catholics believe thus and so and that no man with such a faith concealed about his person can be a good american citizen i don't know about that but i do know that if the catholics act in strict accordance with a religious creed they are the only people in this country who do i've learned that you can't judge a man by his catechism Slattery assures us that he has discarded the Pope and taken Christ for his immediate guide. The latter commands his followers to pray for those who despitefully use them. But if Slattery did any praying for the Apostle during his sojourn in this city, he managed to keep that fact a profound secret. Christ enjoins patience and humility. He tells his followers to turn the other cheek to the smiter. Yet Slattery assured the ladies Wednesday night that he was a great believer in muscular Christianity. Then he placed his two hundred and fifty pounds of stall-fed beef in the fighting attitude, and declared he liked to have his enemies come at him one at a time, to be prayed for, I presume if christ taught muscular christianity i have inadvertently overlooked a bet christ commands us to love our enemies but doesn't suggest that we should manifest our affection by lying about em. he rebuked those who tattled about a common courtesan yet slattery defamed decent women no you can't judge a man by his creed if the allegiance of the catholics to the pope is of the same character As that of Slattery to the Lord Jesus Christ, Uncle Sam need not lie awake a night to worry about papal plots. Had Slattery been truly a Christian, instead of blackguarding me when protected by the presence of ladies, he should have put up a fervent prayer for my immediate conversion to the Baptist faith. But his milk of human kindness had soured. He was short on Christian charity and long on gall faith hope and charity says st paul and the greatest of these is charity and he might have added that it is also the scarcest perhaps that's what makes it so valuable the supply is ever equal to the demand speaking of charity reminds me of my experience with the protestant preachers of san antonio some of whom i understand are aiding and abetting this a p a movement designed to preserve the priceless liberty of free speech while the editor of that morning paper of this city i was in the habit of writing a short sermon for this sunday edition for the benefit of those who could not go to church i supposed that the ministers would sanction my clerical efforts but they didn't they wanted no assistance in saving souls considered that they should be accorded a monopoly in that line and were entitled to all the emollients They proceeded to thunder at me from the pulpit, and sometimes three or four perspiring pulpiteers were pounding away at me at the same time, and incidentally making me very popular. I dropped into a swell church one Sunday morning to get a little grace, a building that cost up in the six figures, while people were living in four-dollar jackets and subsisting on fifty cents a week within sounds of its bells and the minister was holding a copy of the express aloft in one hand and a bible in the other and demanding of his congregation which will you take bran or god well they seemed to think that if they couldn't have both they had best take god though some of the sinners on the back seats were a trifle subsequent in making up their minds i kept hammering away preaching to my little congregation of fifteen or twenty thousand readers every sunday as I do now to ten times that many a month, until finally the ministerial association met, perorated, whereas, resoluted, and wound up by practically demanding of the proprietor of the express that I be either muzzled or fired. And all this time the Catholic priests never said a word, and San Antonio is a Catholic city, but the Baptist ministers were running a sneaking boycott. Yet the Church of Rome is the boa constrictor that's trying to throttle the American bride of free speech. The YMCA invited me to lecture on humbugs, and that scared the ministerial association nearly to death. They thought I was after him now for sure, so they went to the officials of the YMCA and made them cancel the date. And the only Protestant minister in the entire city who did not join in this attempt to throttle free speech was an Episcopalian, and the Episcopalians are not Protestants to hurt. Yet when these ministers, who are now so fearful that the Church of Rome will muzzle somebody, found that they couldn't drive me out of town, that they couldn't take the bread from the mouths of my babes, because I had dared utter my honest thoughts like a free man, that I was to continue to edit the Express so long as I liked, they came fawning about me, like a lot of spaniels afraid of the lash. But not one of them ever tried to convert me. Not one of them ever tried, by kindly argument, to convince me that I was wrong. Not one of them ever invited me to church or prayed for me, so far as I could learn. Perhaps they thought I was past redemption. Slattery cautions you not to send your children to convent schools declaring that he never yet saw a nun who was an educated woman. That statement, standing alone, ought to convince every one blessed with a thinking apparatus that slatteries a fraud. Some of the best educated women in this world have entered convents. Women upon whose tuition fortunes have been expended are now making convent schools deservedly popular with the intelligent people. He says ignorance is the correlative of Catholicism, and points to Spain as proof of this startling assertion. There was a time when Spain stood in the very forefront of civilization, in the van of human progress, the arbiter of the world's political destiny, and Spain was even more Catholic than it is today. Nations and civilizations have their youth, their lusty manhood, and their decay and it were idle to attribute the decline of Spain to Catholicism as the decadence of Greece to paganism. The Catholic Church found Spain a nation of barbarians and brought it up to that standard of civilization where a Spanish monarch could understand the mighty plans of Columbus. It was her Catholic majesty, Queen Isabella, who took from her imperial bosom the jewels with which to buy a world who exchanged the pearls of the Orient for the star of empire. The Catholic Church found England, a nation of barbarians, and brought it up, step by step, until Catholic barons wrung from King John at Runnymede the Great Charter, the mother of the American Constitution. It found Ireland, a nation of savages, and did for it what the mighty power of the Caesars could not, brought it within the pale of civilization but for the roman catholic church slattery might be wearing a breech clout digging roots with his finger nails and gorging himself with raw meat in ireland to-day instead of insulting the intelligence of american audiences and wringing money from fanatics and fools by warring upon the political institutions of their fathers slattery was horrified to learn that some of the nuns were inclined to talk about each other. I sincerely trust that he will find none of the Baptist sisters addicted to the same habit. From what I could gather of his discourse, before I was put out, and from the report of his alleged wife's lectures, I inferred that this delectable twain impeached the virtues of the Roman Catholic sisterhoods. Malice, like death, loves a shining mark and there is no hate so venomous as that of the apostate. But, before giving credence to such tales, let me ask you, why should a woman exchange the brilliant parlor for a gloomy cell in which to play the hypocrite? Why should a cultured woman of gentle birth deliberately forego the joys of wife and motherhood, the social triumph and the freedom of the world, and condemn herself to a life of labor, A dreary round of drudgery if her heart's impure. For shame! Who is it that visits the slums of our great cities ministering to the afflicted, comforting the dying, reclaiming the fallen? When pestilence sweeps over the land and mothers desert their babies and husbands their wives, who is it that presses the cup of cold water to the feverish lip and closes the staring eyes of the deserted dead? who was it that went upon the southern battlefields to minister to the wounded soldiers followed them to the hospitals and tenderly nursed them back to life the roman catholic sisterhoods god bless them one of those angels of mercy can walk unattended and unharmed through our reservation at midnight she can visit with impunity the most degraded dive in the white chapel district at her coming the ribald song is stilled and the oath dies on the lips of the loafer fallen creatures reverently touch the hem of her garments and men steeped in crime to the very lips involuntarily remove their hats as a tribute to noble womanhood the very atmosphere seems to grow sweet with her coming and the howl of hell's demons to grow silent none so low in the barrel-house the gambling hell or the brothel, as to breathe a word against her good name. But when we turn to the Baptist pulpit, there we find an inhuman monster, clad in God's livery, saying, UNCLEAN, UNCLEAN, God help a religious denomination that will countenance such an infamous cur. As a working journalist, I have visited all manner of places i have written up the foulest dives that exist on this continent and have seen sisters of charity enter them unattended had one of the inmates dared insult them he would have been torn to pieces and i have sat in the opera house of this city boasting itself a centre of culture and heard a so-called man of god speak flippantly of the catholic sisterhoods and professing christians applaud him to the echo Merciful God, if heaven is filled with such Christians, send me to hell with those whose sins are human. Better everlasting life in a lake of fire than enforced companionship in paradise for one hour with the foul harpies that groaned all man to Slattery's infamous utterances. God of Israel, to think of those unmanly scabs, those psalm-singing vultures are Americans and our political brethren. I know little about the private lives of the Catholic priesthood, but this I do know. They were the first to plant the standard of Christian faith in the new world. They were the first to teach the savages something of the blessings of civilization. I do know that neither hardship nor danger can abate their holy zeal, and that hundreds of them have freely given their lives in the service of the Lord. And why should a man devote his body to God, and his soul to the devil? I do know that one of them has given us the grandest example of human sacrifice for others' sake that this great world affords. Even Christ prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But Father Damien pressed a cup even more bitter to his own lips, and drained it to the dregs died for the sake of suffering mortals a death to which the cross were mercy the protestants admit that they are responsible for the inoculation in the simple sandwich islanders with leprosy yet when those who fell victims to the foul disease were segregated made prisoners upon a small island in the mid-pacific not a protestant preacher in all of the earth could be found to minister to them THE LORD HAD CALLED THEM ALL INTO HIS VINEYARD, BUT IT APPEARS THAT HE DIDN'T CALL A BLESSED ONE OF THEM TO THAT LEPER COLONY WHERE PEOPLE WERE ROTTING ALIVE, WITH NONE TO POINT THEM TO THAT LIFE BEYOND THE GRAVE WHERE ALL THE SINS AND CORRUPTIONS OF THE FLESH ARE purged AWAY AND THE REDEEMED STAND IN ROBES OF RADIANT WHITE AT THE RIGHT HAND OF GOD. I BLAME NO MAN FOR DECLINING THE SACRIFICE. To set foot upon that accursed spot was to be declared unclean and there confined until death released you death by leprosy, the most appalling disease in all the dreadful catalogue of human ills, the most dreadful arrow in the quiver of the grim destroyer. Yet father Damien, a young Roman Catholic priest, left home and country and all that life holds dear and went deliberately forth to die for the afflicted barbarians. There he reared an humble temple with his own hands to the God of his fathers. There, through long years of confinement, he ministered to the temporal and spiritual wants of the afflicted. There he died as he knew he must die, with his fingers falling from his hands, his flesh from his bones, a sight to appall the very imps of hell. No wonder the Protestant ministers held aloof, merciful God, I'd rather be crucified. We are all brave men when the war drum throbs and the trumpet calls us to battle beneath the eyes of the world. When touching elbows with our fellows and clad in all the glorious pomp and circumstance of war, we seek the bubble of fame e'en at the cannon's mouth. When the music of the battery breeds murder in the blood, the electric odor goes ringing down the line, is answered by the thrilling cheer the veriest coward drives the spur deep into the foaming flank and plunges like a thunderbolt into the gaping jaws of death into the mouth of hell. But when a man was wanted to go forth alone, without blare of trumpet or drum, and become a life prisoner in a leper colony, but one in all the world could be found equal to that supreme test of personal heroism, and that man was a Roman Catholic priest And what was his reward? Hear what Thomas G. Sherman, a good Protestant, says in the New York Post. Before the missionaries gained control of the islands, leprosy was unknown. But with the introduction of strange races, leprosy established itself and rapidly increased. An entire island was properly devoted to the lepers. No Protestant missionary would venture among them. For this i do not blame them as no doubt i should not have had the courage to go myself but a noble catholic priest consecrated his life to the service of the lepers lived among them baptized them educated them and brought some light and happiness into their wretched lives stung by the contrast of his example the one remaining missionary a recognized and paid agent of the american board spread broadcast the vilest slanders against father damien so it appears that the world is blessed with two slatteries there are three kinds of liars at large in the land the harmless munchausen who romances for amusement and whose falsehoods do no harm the machiavellian liar whose mendacity bears the stamp of original genius and the stupid prevaricator who rechews the fetid vomit of other villains, simply because he lacks a fecund brain to breed falsehoods to which he may play the father. And Slattery's a rank specimen of the latter class. When he attempts to branch out for himself, he invariably comes to grief. After giving a dreadful account of how Catholics persecute those who renounce the faith, declaring that they were a disgrace to the church while within its pale, he produced a certificate from a philadelphia minister to the fact that he the philadelphian had visited slattery's old parish in ireland and the catholics there declared that he was a good and faithful priest what slattery seems to lack to become a first-class fraud is continuity of thought he lies fluently even entertainingly but not consistently the apostate priest would have the various protestant denominations throw down the bars that separate them and mark off their theological bailiwicks with little beds of flowers the idea is a good one but i can wonder where slattery stole it still i can see no cogent reason for getting all the children together in happy union and leaving their good old mother out in the cold throw down all the bars and let every division of the great army of god whether wearing the uniform of Buddhist or Baptist, Catholic or Cambalite, Methodist or Mohammedan, Move forward, with faith its sword, Hope its ensign, and charity its shield. Cease this foolish internecine strife, At which angels weep. Swing into line as sworn allies, And at the command of the great captain, Advance your standards on the camp of the common foe. Wage war, not upon each other, but on poverty, ignorance, and crime, hell's great triumvirate, until this beautiful world's redeemed and bound in very truth with gold chains about the feet of God. End of section 38 Brand's Reply to Slattery